So a lot of positive things have been taking place uh, since the news of the pandemic started to grip our country. Earlier this week, Will shared that the owner of the local Cup Cafe decided that he was going to serve coffee to all the medical staff over at Memorial Regional. As soon as he found out about that, he made sure that we as a church were able to uh, pay for the coffee that was provided. We were able to support a local business as a result of that, but also provide encouragement to our medical staff. On social media, there have been a lot of people who have been trying to sh show some positive things, and one of the things that has resulted is an increase in requests for prayer um, over, over the past two weeks. And that has been done for good reason, because the news has not been encouraging. Governor Nordham just recently announced that schools and everything will remain closed until uh, the, the end of the school year, and on top of that, people are supposed to stay in homes until June 10th in order to minimize the threat of the pandemic within the Commonwealth. On Tuesday evening, the President announced that between 150,000 to 240,000 Americans are likely to die from this virus in the next few months. Already, thousands have died. And the natural question that hits people is, am I safe? Will I be a casualty? What can I do to avoid that? And one thing that we can do is to listen to the requests that the health officials are, are, are issuing and stay at home. In the meantime, other people are frantically rushing around, hoarding different things and stocking up, while others are calmly taking advantage of other, uh, to help businesses and, and uh, what it is that businesses are offering to provide uh, for all their needs. There are some people that are downright consumed with worry. They're not sleeping at night. Others are trying to remain focused and productive and work and in life in the midst of a new normal. I saw a post from a university professor who was saying that he was having to get adjusted to doing online learning and offering Zoom, but he was also grateful that he was able to be in his living room and teach with his shorts on, which is not something that university professors were allowed to do where he teaches. I won't tell you what I'm wearing right now, but you'll probably see it as you zoom out and as we share this service with you, but maybe Will and Eric will divulge you with what it was that I was wearing, maybe for a price or something like that. Now last week, we began a series of messages entitled, He Leads Me. And we considered the actions of Jesus carried out in the final hours of his life. And the first thing that he did that we focused on was that he served. And Jesus served in love. He served by putting others first and by showing us how to serve. And today we want to look at another way in which Jesus leads us in trying times. He leads us in prayer. After washing his disciples' feet and providing personal teaching to them, Jesus and the eleven walked to the Garden of Gethsemane, also known as the Mount of Olives. It was nighttime. Everybody had had a big meal. They were tired. It was the end of the day. 
No one knew what awaited the, the in the hours to come. Only Jesus did, and he knew very intimately what was going to take place. And so with that in mind, I want us to read Matthew 26, through, uh, 26 beginning with verse 36, and hear what the Word of God has to tell us. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit over here while I go there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned with to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you keep watch with me oh, for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away a second time and he prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away from me unless I drink it, may your will be done. And when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. And then he returned to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. I love what the Bible says about Jesus in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. It says that we do not have a high priest referring to Jesus who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who was tempted and tried in every way as we are and yet was without sin. And in the garden, I think that we end up seeing uh, both the humanity and the deity of Jesus come full circle and in full display because Jesus was fully God, and he knew intimately what was going to happen to him. He knew what awaited him. And yet at the same time, he was fully man, and he agonized over that very reality. But one thing that we tend to miss here is that Jesus was also alone, and he was isolated. Oh, I know, he was surrounded by disciples. They were sound asleep. They were minding their own business. And even though he said he was deeply troubled, somehow they just weren't there for him. They failed to support him. And in today's day and age, and particularly in the circumstances that we're surrounded by today, many people feel alone. They feel isolated. They're bracing for a tsunami of sickness and disease that all of us seem to be helpless to overcome. There's no vaccine. There's no guarantee of safety. We just have to ride it out and hope for the rest. And when stuff like that hits, it's so easy for us to lose hope in those shaking moments. But the disciples were told to watch and to pray so that they wouldn't fall into temptation. And we look at that and we see them and, and Jesus' encouragement and we wonder, what in the world is wrong with them? But then I look at my own life and I see the same pattern show up. Just the other night, for some reason, I couldn't sleep. 
I tried to pray, but my mind was in overdrive. I found myself struggling with worry. And it's easy to worry about a whole lot of things, including the current crisis in our world, instead of focusing on the steadfastness of God. When I have my quiet times in the morning, I've shown on Facebook where I normally sit and look out uh, uh, to a picture window. And it's a wonderful place to help me focus on my prayer and worship every morning. But even though I have that special place, it's often hard to stay focused. I, I look at nature and I'm distracted by it sometimes. Or I think about my family or my attention is drawn to a message on my phone. Or I think about what, what somebody just said on social media. And, 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 and I think about the list of things that I need to do for the day. And activities distract me. And Jesus sometimes just asks, couldn't you just keep watch with me for one hour? I used to be pretty judgmental of Peter and the other apostles who were so tired during this time. Because they, were, they failed to engage with Jesus during this time. And I used to criticize their failure to pray. I don't today. Because I know how easy it is to struggle with prayer. Or with praying that will move the heart of God. Folks, I'm here to tell you that prayer is incredibly hard work. It's a battleground. And for Jesus, it was so intense that Luke tells us that he perspired so profusely that drops of blood actually came out of him. Doctors called this hematohydrosis. I'll say that fast three times. It's a rare condition that it can occur in extreme instances of stress. Now, if we've grown up in the church, we've heard a lot of sermons and lessons about prayer. Even if we haven't grown up in the church, we hear people say, well, I'm going to pray for you, or I'm praying for this, or I'm praying for that, and we've even said it. And if we've studied a little bit, we know what the components of prayer are, which is adoration and confession and thanksgiving and, and, and supplication, which means asking. And we try to include those things in our conversations with God on a regular basis, but we also need to learn from this prayer of Jesus. My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, because that prayer is raw. It's real. And basically what Jesus is saying from a human perspective is, God, Father, I don't want to go through this. I don't want to derail your plan, but I'd love it if there were another way. And we find ourselves asking, God, I don't want to get coronavirus. I don't want to see my family break up. I don't want to see this happen. I don't want to lose my job. And on and on and on the list goes. I don't want my family to get infected. I don't want anybody to die from all this. If this is possible, can you make it go away? Now, I want to be clear. Our prayer is in no way as significant as what Jesus' Jesus' prayer was. But to many of us, it is no less important. We don't want to die. We don't want to suffer. We don't want to go through hardship unnecessarily. 
And we don't want others to either. And as I was reflecting on this passage of Scripture and on what has taken place throughout this past week, I was drawn to the words of Brother Ajay Law, who's a missionary to India that we support here. And he talks about the coronavirus and having a proper perspective. He says, let's not forget that in our world, even now, 25,000 are dying every day of starvation and 44,000 plus are dying every day without Jesus. Does this get to our hearts? See, people dying without hope was why Jesus didn't stop with those words that we just mentioned. He didn't just say, Father, if it be your will, let, let this cup pass from me. He goes on to say, yet not what I want, but what you want. And because of that, Jesus went to the cross, even though humanly speaking, he hoped for another way. And he offers an answer to a question we often deal with when it comes to prayer. How do we handle it? When God doesn't answer prayer like we want, when our world is rocked, when things seem to be coming apart around us, what do we do? I'm going to offer an answer that to many people is not going to make sense. It's going to even sound at, at simplistic. I know that. But I want to tell you that the answer when we apply it, is probably one of the toughest things to do. How do we handle it when God doesn't answer prayer like we want? We simply trust. In Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2, David says, I will lift up my eyes to the, uh, to the mountains. From where shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord. And even though he's not talking about this, it just kind of feels to me like it's almost like a, a, a saving army swooping over the hillside at the last minute to rescue a city that is besieged by an enemy. And just like that, God comes to our rescue at just the right time. Someone has said that God is never late. He's rarely early. Rarely early. He is always on time. And that's what prompted another man in the Bible by the name of Job who had lost everything. He had lost his family. He had lost his possessions. He had even lost his health. It had been taken from him. And he was sitting there destitute and destroyed. And even though that was taking place in his life, he would say in Job thirteen fifteen, though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. No matter what happens... I will trust in God. In this season of uncertainty, we need to pray. We need to pray fervently. We need to pray intently. We need to pray diligently, boldly, honestly, just as Jesus did. And so with that in mind, I want to, I want to offer an assignment for you to do later on today. Uh, as things settle down throughout the day, as you have some moments of quiet. Uh, and maybe you have more of those than you really want, I want to encourage you to take your Bible or open your Scripture app on your phone and turn to Psalm 25. Take that 
because it is a prayer. Pray it aloud. Apply it to yourself. Personalize it. Tell the Lord specifically how you trust Him. Ask Him to protect you from your enemies and to give you more understanding, to give you more wisdom that can come only from Him and through His Word. Take the time to confess your sins, both past and present, and share with Him what is really troubling you and burdening your heart. And I want to encourage you to voice that prayer aloud. And then journal it in your journal if that's something that you do. Because I'm here to tell you that this is what prayer can do for us. Prayer can give us the opportunity to experience cleansing. Now to be clear, Jesus didn't need this. He was sinless, but we aren't. <laughs> we're all flawed. We're, we're, we're frail. We're hurting. And praying out loud like this allows us to confess and to know the freedom that forgiveness brings. That's why 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says that if we confess our sins, He's faithful and righteous and He will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Secondly, recognize that prayer gives us strength. It was this prayer time where he agonized, where he hurt, and where he poured his heart out to God, the Father. That Jesus, God in the flesh, drew his strength. The strength to endure the punishment that would later on follow. The, the strength to endure the agony of the cross. The strength to endure our sins being heaped upon him and him becoming sin for us so that we can become the righteousness of God. The Father gave him the strength. And just as the Father gave him strength, he will give us strength to endure or face whatever challenge lies before us. The third thing that we need to remember is that prayer gives hope. It reminds us that we are not alone. God is on our side. And hope, that kind of hope, never, ever, ever we sing a chorus that says, If creation sings your praises, so will I. If creation still obeys you, so will I. And then later on, it's talking about other people needing to know you, needing to know the Lord. And basically the message is, if others follow you, so will I. But even if they don't, even if they don't, even if creation totally rebels, the choice that we make is we will still follow the Lord. Because the Lord, our Lord, is the only one who gives hope. If you don't have that hope, I urge you to please reach out. You can do that through the Mechanicsville Church of Christ page. You can ask questions. You can arrange for a phone call. My phone number is 804-339-4863. I'd love to talk you through Scripture and point you to Scripture, that is, where God can provide the hope that you need. And He does it through Jesus Christ. But for all of us, whether we know God or not, 
I'd like for us to go ahead and maybe close this time with a prayer. And I'd like for you, from your homes, to repeat it with me. It's the Lord's Prayer. Many of us have memorized it. Many of us know it. And we're going to use the old traditional method of, of this prayer with the these and the thous and the arts. But we're going to use the words debt and debtors in this prayer. And so I'm going to ask you to take a moment and bow your heads and join with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.